Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. I do want to turn to another topic, though. Our new ABC News Ipsos poll out this morning. It shows a significant drop in optimism about the direction of our country over the next year. Take a look here. Only 45% of those polled are optimistic. That's right. The Biden administration and President Biden have really underscored that they're going to follow the science and not let politics play into this. But we have to just underscore that the people who would benefit the most from the CDC guidance that was updated just a day ago are the same people who are least likely to follow that guidance. The people who are unvaccinated, the people who don't want to wear masks. They're largely Republicans, largely white male conservative voters who are looking at these guidance um, and thinking that there's some sort of conspiracy against their freedoms. Um, the original sin of this pandemic from a government standpoint was politicizing it. It was this idea that f f President Biden's predecessor, former President Trump, that he politicized the idea of wearing masks, that he floated all sorts of issues when it came to, to what could actually treat the coronavirus. And then finally, when the vaccine that he, that he had been pushing scientists um, to, to develop, when it was finally ready, he didn't do the, the, the real work of trying to convince his supporters to get vaccinated and left states flat-footed when it came to how to distribute that vaccine. So, of course, the Biden administration now is having to contend with the idea that they're having to tell vaccinated people, people that they told, if you follow the rules, you'll be able to get this great thing in July, which is a sense of normalcy and your mask off. That is all now being reversed. You can see it um, when you talk to sources at the White House here. When I talk to sources at the White House, you can hear the frustration in their voices, the concern in their voices, because we are now nowhere near where the president wanted to be in this part mm. of the summer. And Michael, to Yamisha's great point, according to a new Axios Ipsos poll, a whopping 45% of unvaccinated Americans who are not at all likely to get a COVID vaccine are Republicans. Compare that to just 12%. Yeah, yeah, um, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is uh, doing a, a number of radio ads in the coming days in Kentucky to promote um, getting vaccinated in his state. What do you make of this effort? And has he done enough to call out uh, specifically uh, some uh, on the right who are spreading vaccine misinformation. Well, I'm glad that he's doing those ads long overdue. This was so self-evident and so obvious. Uh, they must have been getting, I don't know, maybe they were getting, to use your term, political backlash uh, for not doing it, as they now sadly see people suffering.
Leader McCarthy says it's against the science. talking about Trump, we're obviously talking about a kind of delusional madness, such as General Milley was talking about, uh, that is on a scale and a scope that we have never experienced uh, in an American president in our history. I think we need to calmly step back and maybe look at Trump in a different context. He is America's, our own American war criminal. Do you look at the Olympics differently now? Do you even... Yeah, yeah. I've covered like about five of them. And and, and I was telling you, my favorite part of the Olympics was always going to the stadium for the opening ceremonies. I love love the opening ceremonies, March of Cotton. Then I just realized, you know, man, particularly after these last four years, I had it wrong. Nationalism is not good. Mm-hmm. We've seen the rise of white nationalism. Nationalism is not good. And also, this whole idea, I, I keep thinking back on the uh, Capitol riots, mm-hmm. and I saw a lot of, um, you know, U.S. flags. Right. right. So now when I see the flag and the flag raises, man, where, what, what, what America am I living in? You know? So how will the White House get Americans to start wearing masks when they've gone for more than two months without them? Um, will we see the president speak more Megan, is this the kind of confrontation uh, that is ever justified? 
you know, I know you've experienced this too, Whoopi, because you experienced something similar when we were working together on the show. And I won't say what happened, but, you know, it, it went, you know, you had an incident where people were coming up to you and we were all scared. Um, I think the problem with any kind of rationale of this being okay is there's this Winston Churchill quote that says, just because the crocodile's eating them doesn't mean it's not going to eat you next. As incendiary as many people find Tucker Carlson, they find the women on this show equally incendiary for different reasons. So if it's okay, and should be expected. Maybe there's an expectation that wherever we go, it's okay for people to come up to us and scream things and say things. And maybe you guys thought that man was being polite. I thought he was being a total jackass and incredibly rude. And we're living in a time when people like Steve Scalise are being shot and wounded to the point where he's literally going to survive and now he has to walk with a cane because there are people that just aren't in control of themselves and aren't in control of their mental, of their mental health and they want to take out their aggression on public figures. It's incredibly dangerous. I thought it was incredibly dangerous when Maxine Waters said we should go up to public figures and get up in their faces. I, I think is a very, very slippery slope. I know how much people don't like Tucker Carlson. People equally don't like uh, Megan McCain and Joy Behar and Sonny Hostin and Whoopi and Sarah. These are When you're putting your opinion out there, you're making yourself a target. I now feel in my life, uh, Ben and I have to talk about what restaurants we feel safe going to. I think about what kind of places I'm comfortable taking liberty to. I have to think about what kind of neighborhood I'm living in. Tucker Carlson's wife once barricaded herself in her home in their pantry and called the police because so many protesters were outside their home here in Washington, D.C. to try and accost them. These are not, this isn't normal. And I think any rationalization that this is normal or should be accepted in the United States of America is not only indecent, but it's beyond the pale of what should be any any expectation of any kind of, of decorum in a in a society like the United States of America. And anyone you are such a pain in the neck, but I'm going to answer your question because you've known each other for so long. It has nothing to do with Iraq. The answer. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the first of August, year of our Lord, 2021. How we doing? I mean, I missed a lot. Look at all that crazy stuff. Just a hot mess. I apologize for no shows. It was damn near impossible to pull it off. Um, not what I expected for training uh, 16-hour days, but all good. I'm trained up, back in a job, same old stuff, you know. It's your store, but we're going to put somebody else with you because we don't trust you. Eh, it works out. Not much we're going to do about it. I'm just in it for a paycheck, not for clout, and I'll just have to deal with it as time goes on. But I'm back in the saddle. Promise I'll get another one out this week and next weekend. Uh, I'm just doing interviews to try to hire the remaining people that I wasn't told I had to hire. So I got to go pick up some more people and then uh, be a couple hiccups. Once we get into build out of a store, but other than that, I should be able to get one to two a week. Not that you wait on my bated breath, but this is my hobby. And with the country we're in right now, let's be honest, I need this. I need this just to vent. And I think I stacked it well with the optimism. My butt's been wiped. There's another one. And today, because of just everything, I had to come back. Then I had to make the wife happy. I have no screen, so you're just going to see no fancy show today, just some sound bites, kind of like an old podcast, because I all day yesterday I was busy with the wife going estate sailing, and I just, I no, sorry, I, I literally 
got to hotels at 8 9 o'clock at night and had to get ready for the next day and then fell asleep and woke up and did it. Um, so I didn't have time to pull screens. I'm going to try to get a couple because they're really, really good. But um, the other polls you're not going to see. And let me see if I can get this to zoom up because I re- it's like font zero. Um, the vice president poll. Favorable, 46%. Because the honeymoon's over. It's clearly obvious because we're having a president yell at Kelly O'Donnell. And I just want everybody to remember that when you used to do that, that was attacking the press under Biden but or under uh, Trump. But now, hey, we're just fine with it. We're just fine with it. We have no problems. We have no problems that Biden is using private emails and he's skirted around the law and he wasn't supposed to be doing that. But nobody cares. We don't care. Why should we care? Why? I mean, the whole thing, I think the best way to sum up all of this is the way Nancy Pelosi's acting. We know we're now in the time where Americans are going to have to put masks on again. They're playing games. They're capital crap. We're going to cover briefly today. It ain't working. And they know they're fucked next year. Because they didn't. They, they sold so much that they were going to fix. We're going to build back better. And everything's going to be perfect. And Trump was the problem. When really they're the problem. They clearly would rather not fix problems so they can you know, use them to get money for their next election. And, and in there, all the politicization and lies, because everybody knows it a lot. Yamiche Cinder can get up there and say it's white Republican mega that aren't getting vaccines. And we, only, we all know that 25% of minorities are fully vaxxed. I'm fully vaxxed. I'm not mega, but I hate everything the left says. But I got my vaccine. But more on the vaccines in a second. But they're so drunk on power. If you want to understand how power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, look no further than the other chamber in the United States Capitol. Speaker Nancy Pelosi is drunk on power. The orders that Speaker Pelosi is issuing are abusive and unprecedented. Speaker Pelosi has decreed to members of the House of Representatives elected by the people that if you dare walk onto the floor of the House of Representatives without a mask, I, Speaker Pelosi, shall fine you. Who the hell is she to be fining members of the House? But you know what? She's not done with that. She's not done with disrespecting our Constitution, disrespecting our democratic system that elects leaders. She goes further to the good men and women who work here in the United States Capitol. We are surrounded by men and women who have chosen to come and work for the public good. And here's what Speaker Pelosi has decreed. If you dare 
walk in the hallway without a mask, I, Speaker Pelosi, will arrest you. I will put you in jail. I will fine you. That is an absolute and complete abuse of power. She has no authority to disrespect the men and women who work here to threaten you with physical harm, to threaten you with imprisonment. And why does she do so? She does so for one reason, political theater. And it seems well, I didn't say that. I have to say that you're fully vaccinated in an area where we do not have well, let me clarify. In May, you made it sound like a vaccine was the ticket to losing the mask forever. And that, that is true at the time, because I thought there were people who were going to understand that getting vaccinated made a gigantic difference. And what happened was new variant came along, they didn't get vaccinated. It was spread more rapidly, and people, more people were getting sick. That's the but how frustrated are you with those people, sir? I did have these pictures, because the, this sums it up. They have spent every waking minute trying to downplay the effectiveness of these vaccines, because they know it helps them. And Glenn Greenwald is right. If it was the right... We would not tolerate it. This is all over Twitter. That's what they want. They don't want this because they don't like you. You're evil. You're nasty. This is all over Twitter. And I couldn't find the original one I found. I found one where there's like 20 different accounts, all verbatim. The same thing. I'm leaving it. It's crushing us. We're dying because they need COVID theater back. COVID theater works. They win election on COVID theater. They control you on COVID theater. They can't build back better if we're already built back. It doesn't work. So they have to have something to control you, lock you down, tell you what to think, how to eat. If you can work, get you back on the dole. It's all gone. They've lost all their power over you. It's just gone. And then NPR puts out. NPR ethics policy update. Journalists can now participate in activities that advocate for freedom and dignity of human beings on social media and in real life. So we are now officially okay with journalists being part of woke. And I say to you, when have they never not been part of woke? I mean, we're, we're at where we're at over COVID because of the media. They've spent every waking second fear-mongering. That's just what they've done. From when we first got it to what you could call it, how many masks you could wear, you're a piece of shit because you're wearing a mask. They fought against, remember, all the stories we covered when they lifted the mask mandate because it can't be for that because they've been against it forever because southern states didn't do mask mandates and they couldn't stand that. 
They were saying Biden started too soon. They love fascism when it's lefty. This COVID stuff, my God. Question becomes as a policy perspective is how long do you allow the majority of this country, Republicans, Democrats, Independents, South, North, the majority of every group and demographic we have have gotten vaccinated. How long do you allow them to be held hostage in states, let's say like Florida, where, you know, you have the governor saying, yeah, I know it's breaking out. We're going the other way. Don't Fauci this, uh, my Florida, no mask mandates. I'll let the parents decide. I mean, where's that messaging going to get you? So I so President Biden says that we are not returning to lockdowns, shutdowns and school closures. But he also once said that we didn't have to wear masks anymore once we were vaccinated. So why should Americans trust him now? Well, because we listen to the scientists. We listen to the expert. This is a public health situation. This is not about politics at all. This is about saving lives. So if you're listening to the science, if scientists come to you at some point down the line and say, it is our opinion that there should be shutdowns and there should be school closures, you would do that? Well, we listen to, like I said, we listen to the CDC. The, the CDC is a, is a body that is very well respected. And uh, we follow, again, we follow their guidance. And after this new guidance came out, the head of the American Federation of Teachers, Randy Weingarten, came out to say, we're going to to open up schools. Is that good enough for the president just trying? Just because you talked about this administration having a priority of protecting the American people. Can you help us understand? Why is it that the federal government is asking vaccinated Americans to wear masks? to stop the spread of COVID-19. But at the same time, federal agents are also releasing COVID-19 positive border crossers into small towns in Texas. President, you said if you were fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. He and it seems like I have said if you're fully vaccinated in an area where we do not have, well, let me clarify. In May, you made it sound like a vaccine was the ticket to losing the mask forever. And it, that is true at the time, because I thought there were people who were going to understand that getting vaccinated made a gigantic difference. And what happened was, a new variant came along, they didn't get vaccinated, it was spread more rapidly, and people more... I understand the question. How do you test when, that is the dominant strain in the area, when people just test whether they're COVID positive? Well, we don't, we don't, we don't test the... We don't test it. We listen to public well, health and scientists and they tell us it, that it's the Delta variant. Their for that? I, I don't even understand. Why would they explain? I mean, that's what they are telling us. I laid out why, why they, I laid out how contagious it was and I laid out why uh, why we needed to act on the Delta variant. I, I laid that, out a lot of why. The answers we get is because they say so without a lot of. Well, they're the experts. Happen, it's not it's not just they. These are scientists. These are experts. I just said that. Hold on one second. I hold on one second. I just said that Dr. Lewinsky said just recently in her 20 year uh, career, she had never seen a, a variant that was so contagious. So this is 20 years of her career. So this is absolutely, absolutely Absolutely, a, a major, major problem that we are trying to deal with. That's why we heard from the president yesterday. That's why we keep talking about people need to get vaccinated. So that is that is the that is the way that we're trying to move in this administration, making sure that we are protecting uh, people here, making sure that we're dealing with this pandemic in a way that is effective. And that's how we're going to move forward. I'll take another question. Oh, go ahead. 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 Go ahead.
Majority Leader of the House, Denny Hoyer. Well, thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. And the speaker said it. The last time... Building off your point, the vaccines work, then why is the president asking vaccinated people to mask up if there have been just 0.0035% of the 161 million fully vaccinated Americans who have had a breakthrough case? Uh, let me give you the facts about the Delta variant, and maybe this, this will help, Peter. It spreads more than twice as easily from one to another and it's spreading rapidly. It is really just across the country, and that is just the fact. Two months ago, only 1% of COVID in the U.S. were Delta. Now, more than 80% are Delta. And so this is where we, we are today with this vaccine. And so it is, we are listening to the experts, the CDC guidance, and this is what they are telling us. If you live in an area that has, that is highly contagious um, and that has high levels, you have to, they are saying, they are you know, giving the guidance of wearing a mask to protect yourself and to protect the, your community and your family. That is the guidance that we're getting. And some of the preliminary stuff we've seen from the CDC says this new guidance for vaccinated people to mask up is based on data from people who got sick partying in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Has the White House seen any proof that COVID is spreading, vaccinated people are spreading COVID uh, who are not going to big parties? Here's what we, we know, and I'm just going to repeat again. We need to get people vaccinated. That That is really the answer here. That is what we're seeing from, C that's what we're hearing from CDC, that's what we're even seeing from these slides, is that people need to get vaccinated. That is how we fight the Delta. The President Biden has repeated over and over that this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, but this uh, PowerPoint seems to raise questions about that. Um, he's also promised to level up with the American people, so his comments yesterday, I mean, was he being completely upfront about the challenge of the Delta variant? This PowerPoint would suggest it's a little bit more dire than, than he laid it out to be. And why wasn't that PowerPoint made public? Why did it have to be to the public? And then lastly, um, <laughs> I mean, why aren't we seeing universal recommendations for universal masking? Why is it just in areas of high transmission when the CDC seems to be suggesting universal masking is needed? We now know the CDC is basing some of this new science on a 4th of July party that happened in Massachusetts where the Delta variant was dominant. We saw that vaccinated people were passing it and so forth. Does this give the president pause about making recommendations about what the public can do? Because encourage people who were vaccinated to gather on the 4th of July, a group that did so is now sort of a poster example for the CDC of what can happen with this variant. I mean, the internal memo that was leaked says, given higher transmissibility and current coverage, vaccine coverage, universal masking is essential to reduce transmission. So one, why don't the recommendations match? And two, should the American public anticipate updated guidance that includes universal masking and also new guidance about large gatherings and how many people should gather. A lot of questions obviously about the super spreader event in Provincetown. More than 800 cases, but 74% of people there are fully vaccinated. So doesn't that at least suggest that maybe breakthrough cases aren't rare? 
Uh, Karine, given the seriousness of the Delta variant, are there conversations in the White House or between the White House and scientific advisors about uh, more lockdowns, partial lockdowns, or, or anything along those lines? I know you said it's up to the CDC and health officials to lead on new recommendations, but has the White House or the President asked them to look at new restrictions, possible restrictions surrounding large Today, they're changing their guidance. They're changing their uh, their advice to the American public, their public health advice, based on evolving data and an evolving historic guidance. That uh, very, uh, virus. That's exactly what they should be doing. What is your message to Americans who are feeling whiplash right now? Why should they trust the same group of health officials who just two months ago told them they don't have to wear a mask anymore inside? Because our goal is to save their lives. And our responsibility and the responsibility of public health officials is to continue to provide updated guidance. That's the one I wanted to show. I mean, it's all there. They're masked. Spokesmen's aren't masked. It is. My God. Molensky. Director on mask mandate children. The Delta variant isn't making kids any sicker, is it? CDC, we don't have any evidence. We don't have evidence. You don't have anything. Biden uh, insults unvaccinated blacks, Latino, and union workers. You're not nearly as smart as I thought you were. Neither is he. Frustrated, Biden moves on to insulting non-vaxxers. If you're not vaccinated, you're not nearly as smart as I thought you were. Which, it's African-Americans. And then PolitiFact, it uh, takes it false that Biden and Harris distrusted COVID-19 vaccines in 2020. TikTok post says Joe Biden and Camilla Harris distrust COVID. False. The whole world. You're a liar. Biden and Harris distrust of Trump rolling out COVID vaccines, not the vaccines themselves. Really? There is a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. If and when the vaccine comes, it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? It's a usual left two-step. Fuck you. You ignorant rube. We know better than the same. I had the problem with the never Trumpers. We know better than you. Well, I'm seeing this all over the internet for weeks, trying to push for more lockdowns, more masks, more control because their plan ain't working. You can't build back better if we're all better. All over the internet, uh, people, Republicans not wearing masks, we're taking pictures. The whole Capitol Police thing that I'm not even going to cover. Well, we're going to arrest AIDS, and you and I, the people who are there, if we're not masked, but not members of Congress, you know, we're not going to do that. Hollywood blue checks, start penalizing those who won't get vaxxed, cut off COVID relief benefits, raise their health and life insurance, deny them right to board planes, treat those who choose not to vaccinate the way we treat those who choose to drive drunk. They're violating human rights. And the whole world goes, that's pretty racist. Because the CDC's own numbers, as much as they get on there, and you know, Michiel Sinners get on and say it's a bunch of white, mega, redneck motherfuckers who aren't getting their vaccines. The reality is, 
That's not true. It's not true. There are a lot of mega that aren't getting it. But the area that's the scariest is inner city, African-American, Latino, Asian, the whole world, who don't want to do it. Because you scared the shit out of them. I usually put this up, but I'm just going to read it. Said it from the beginning. Falky shouldn't have been the spokesman. The guy told you AIDS was transmissible through the air. He's the one that had us all worried about toothbrushes in the 80s. We've all seen the various flip-flops of CDC and Dr. Falke. To help keep track, I presented Falke versus Falke, crawling the twists and turns, contradictions, and backtracks from the man and his agency. To start, we need to focus on Dr. Falke's perspective on the virus itself and his risk to the United States. In late 2020, January, Falke said COVID was a very, very low risk to the United States. That's what he said. One big obvious area of flipping is around the benefits of wearing a mask. Falke originally said that masks weren't effective and publicly encouraged Americans not to buy them. Guidance he now does not regret. It was a noble lie. Now even vaccinated people wear, need to wear a mask. And it wasn't just the efficiency of masks in general. Less than a month ago, Falke declared confidently that the CDC wasn't going to change his recommendation about masking given the Delta variant. We've already seen changes and more are under consideration. And how many masks we're all supposed to wear? Was it one, two, no mask, face shield, goggles? Depending on when you ask Falke, it could have been anything. Falke was a leading voice suggesting for months that a pandemic wouldn't possibly, couldn't possibly have leaked from the lab of Wuhan. Then it was a consensus change, and then suddenly the theory could be, couldn't be dismissed. Complete 180. The reversal cut in both directions. Back in September, the CDC changed its rules reportedly under political pressure to reduce the people it advises getting tested before quickly reversing course about pressure. After you, and you may have forgotten the CDC had a brouhaha also in September when new guidance about airborne transmission, including beyond six feet, went live on the agency website. It was briefly scrubbed after a brief medical and news firestorm. Not exactly confidence-inspiring. Schools have had a lot of reversals. In February, the CDC director said schools could reopen safely. Well, a few calls from the teachers' union. That shit went away. Weeks later, new guidance sensing the theme was released focusing on teachers. And we have plenty of flips when it comes to teachers wearing masks. First, the CDC said they had to, to back in May 2020. Then earlier this month, CDC said vaccinated teachers and students don't need one. But now we're back to you got to wear a fucking mask. And who could forget the approval, then pause, of Johnson & Johnson? The coronavirus pandemic is unlike anything any of us have ever seen before. There should be some charity and humility about bad predictions. But the idea that Dr. Fauci and the CDC haven't flip-flopped, that's just preposterous dr anthony flick the cdc hasn't changed the cdc hasn't flip-flopped something has changed and that it, what has changed is the virus is it any wonder americas don't trust public health experts after this does it surprise anyone that dr Fauci and the cdc aren't seen as reputable it could have helped if the spokesman wasn't a political tool he started the politics of this. He started it, and then he amplified it when Trump left with, it was so great to have somebody that likes science again. 
a guy who said vaccines don't work if certain people are in charge of it. Oh, that's Biden. And then we have the border. After an incident at Whataburger, police in LaJoy, Texas, said they've learned illegal immigrants who test positive for COVID are being released. And you've all heard it by now. Axios. 50,000 migrants who crossed the southern border illegally have now been released to the United States without a court date. Of those, the majority have COVID. We're just releasing them. But you and I, go fuck yourself. Wei Zhang, updated testing guidance. If a fully vaccinated person has known exposure to someone with suspected or confirmed COVID-19, CDC Gov recommends getting tested three to five days after exposure and wearing a mask in public indoor setting for 14 days until they receive a negative result. More info here. What is wrong with these people? So people ask, can you give us the data? The data was based off of one unconfirmed, retracted study about an outbreak. This week alone, I've heard that Walensky chick say 1 in 20, 1 in 10, when the true number is 1 in 10,000. And of that, a minuscule amount of vaccinated people were hospitalized. It's like 0.000007%. And then those that have died, way down the list. But we know even if they died, it wasn't COVID. They were probably terminally ill. But you're not going to get the truth because we've been saying a person who's struck by lightning that was tested positive for COVID while they're dead in the morgue Well, they died of COVID. An article that I read this week that is just perfect on this. The dim loving, with dim loving press, science is whatever Biden says it is. Whatever he says is now science. It's all sorts of science-y. And who are they fucking the most? Small business is not sitting well with Eli Klein, a New York City art gallery owner. He tweeted out, a mask mandate is a slowdown for all indoor entertainment venues, stadiums, gyms, theaters, concerts, hall, clubs, malls, stores, offices, etc. People don't want to do these things if they have to cover their face. And Eli Klein joins me here now in studio. Very nice to see you. Thanks for having me, John. Thank you for being willing to speak out about what you feel and what you're seeing and to come on and talk about it now. You really don't want to go back to masks indoors in your gallery. Well, it's, it's not just about my gallery. It's about New York City generally. If we uh, are subject to sweeping mask mandates now uh, in, in the summer, um, you know, let's be honest there. We don't know when COVID levels will ever be lower than they are now in New York City. And that could put us on a, a slippery slope to all kinds of the same restrictions that we were subject to uh, last year. I mean, things like micro-cluster targeting and, um, and capacity limits and business shutdowns. It's not just a mask. And I think, 
you know, none of us have a problem just putting on a mask. It's, it's really much more than that. It's a, it's a blueprint for indefinite uh, government restrictions in New York, which, um, you know, we, we've had vaccines available uh, for everyone 12 plus for many months. And uh, that there has to be an end game. There has to be an off ramp. I want to talk about vaccines again mm -hmm. in just a second. But first, I just want to know, because you've been listening, you've been here for the, right. for the beginning of the show, you've heard the news about the Delta variant, how much more contagious it can be. Absolutely. And the fact it could make people even sicker. Mm -hmm. um, does that have any impact on your view? No, I, I think it's obviously catastrophic news. Um, and uh, it's something that we should all take very seriously. We've been taking you know, COVID very seriously uh, since the beginning. And... Um, and it, it doesn't impact my, my view with respect to re-implementing restrictions. Uh, the fact of the matter is that these vaccines are widely available. They're extraordinarily effective. And, um, and you know, it's a matter of, uh, obviously, there's issues with, you know, personal risk tolerance and, and whatnot. But uh, it, it doesn't change the fact that, that re-implementing mass mandates in New York City would, would stunt our recovery, would diminish tourism and many aspects of life. It would crush businesses that have already been crushed. Okay, why not hang a sign on your gallery that says, you can come in here unmasked if you're vaccinated or if you test negative for COVID? Well, I mean, I think people know the rules. Well, no, but, but would, that, would, would that, would you be okay with a situation where you can come in unmasked, so you don't have to wear a mask if you're vaccinated? There's no government guidelines right now that are forcing me to do that, so... Uh, I, but you could. There's nothing stopping you from doing it. I, I could do anything. We could always do things to be more safer. But if your concern is that people don't want to come in to your gallery, which I hear is wonderful, by the way, uh, ma you. masked, well, then have them come in unmasked but vaccinated. I, I just want to be clear that my concern isn't selfish. It's not based on people coming into my gallery. My concern is I'm a lifelong New Yorker. I was born and raised in Greenwich Village. My concern is for New York generally mm -hmm. uh, and, and re-implementing these restrictions. Mask restrictions. Mass restrictions lead to every restriction. And we know. He's spot on. Nate Silver, a good damn, tried to break it down. Here finally is a Provincetown study, which includes several major caveats, most of which are almost completely missing from the hyperbolic news coverage. There is also one major caveat that the study authors don't mention. They are only looking at people who chose to be tested, which is a lot different than all breakthrough infections. Presumably, people with symptoms are much more likely to be tested. Symptomatic breakthrough infections having similar viral loads to symptomatic unvaccinated infections would be much less of a problem, both because symptomatic breakthroughs are rare and because people can learn to be more careful and get tested when they have symptoms. Finally, I note that the sample size here are tiny, leading to very wide confidence intervals. And the real-life confidence intervals are likely even wider, given that, as the study author says, the sample isn't very diverse. P-Town equals mostly affluent middle-aged gay men. To take a self-selected, non-statistically significant sample of 200 non-diverse people driving a party weekend that was an outlier in many respects and use it to conclude that the breakthrough infections are just as likely to transmit the virus seems like quite the stretch. And he's all for it. But CNN, vaccinations alone won't stop the rise of variants and in fact would push the evolution of strains that evade their protection, researchers warn. They said people need to wear masks and take other preventive steps until almost everyone is vaccinated. 
Matt Whitlock, the slow march of a moving goalpost is almost cartoonish at this point. John Hopkins, epidemiologist, following CDC new guidance, wouldn't have stopped this outbreak. On the outbreak in Massachusetts, following CDC's new guidance, wouldn't have stopped the outbreak from occurring. Jennifer Newzone, epidemiologist with the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, noted that the new CDC guidance on indoor masking for vaccinated people applies to communities with substantial transmission in Provincetown on July 3rd had low levels of virus. What this tells us is we need much more context and better data. It's just a stretch. U.S. CDC directors is federally mandating COVID-19 vaccination is something the Biden administration is looking at. Then she had to clarify it because they're not looking at it. A gay rights advocate. The CDC had increased their Delta row because of the pro-town cohort. Then they are over stating it for the general population. The cohort was 85% male, and the New York Times have both failed to mention this. Hello, it was bear week. Packed bars. Horny bears in a room. Bears go to Poo Town to have lots of fun, which includes lots of sex. Gay men kiss when they have sex. And this is a gay guy. He goes on to say this is the stupidest fucking thing in the world. Bill Crystal, because once again, just like I say all the time, because they hate you and never Trumps hate you, they don't like your type of person. This is what he put out. Vaccines are broadly popular, so Democrats should hang on an anti-vax movement around the neck of every Republican running for office in 2022. If a Republican candidate wants to counter that they personally are pro-vax, then that's Great. The Atlantic. In the past 24 hours, this is Stephen Miller, the National Firefighters Union, the Postal Service Workers Union, the largest public San Francisco school union, and the SEIU in Los Angeles all came out against mandatory vaccinations. All endorsed Joe Biden. Have fun. That's what this is all about all this has ever been about all this will ever be about is politics which is a great way to segue to the january 6 kabuki theater how do you see this hearing as breaking through i mean to get can it do, do you think it has any chance of doing that i do I mean, it's kind of a moment like when we started seeing coffins coming home from Iraq, or you started seeing real combat footage. It changes when you hear personal narratives, when you understand there are people behind the uniforms, when you understand their pain, and they put color behind what seems to be a political talking point. I mean, this is also, we've talked about this before, Nicole, this is a strategy by extremists and by right-wing attack people and the machine. You know, they continue to attack 
certain types of people who step forward to express heroism, and they're not attacking white people. Like, let's be honest about this here, right? They're attacking Simone Biles, they're attacking Officer Grinnell, they're attacking Officer Dunn. This is not an offshoot. This is a strategy, and they continue to compound it in part because it animates that extreme part of this movement, which I will say every time I'm on your show, is the number one national security threat we face right now. It's not al-Qaeda, it's not ISIS, it's not Iran, it's domestic extremism. Osama bin Laden never took over the Capitol. These people did, and many of them are still out there. I say it on my Twitter feed. If you're upset, you can help. The FBI is looking for these people right now. There are 11 videos of people that are out there that are still on the streets. They're out there, and we can help the FBI. We can lock them up. Either you're with us or you're against us. And many of these people are against us. They're against Team America. They're against the officers, and they need to be held accountable, locked up, put on trial, and put away. I see all those videos and, and um, you know, what I'm most fearful of is that there are way too many Americans that won't watch this hearing in progress, that won't take just a few minutes out of their time to listen to these and understand what actually happened that day. Now, the visuals are very powerful. Clearly, this was an angry, violent mob that was willing to break down the sacred doors of our nation's capital and attack police officers in order to do Trump's bidding. But the bottom line is, Nicole, I'm afraid there'll be way too many people who won't watch it. And I think the part that may be most compelling, that maybe we will get more people to watch, unfortunately, would be the testimony of Kevin McCarthy about the content of his phone conversation with Trump that day. Or importantly, the testimony of Jim Jordan, who went to a, the White House and had a meeting about this in December, how they were going to do this on January 6th and have this big protest and push back on uh, what is a pro forma event, counting the votes that had already been cast by the Electoral College. So it is, um, I, I think this is a really seminal moment to getting to the bottom of it. But with social media, what it is today, and the echo chambers that have been calcified, I'm most worried that the people who need to hear this the most will... Here's my question for you, Ben Rhodes. This is absolutely political. These are the political supporters of the most prominent politician in the Republican Party. Of course, this is political. And um, I'm not arguing that this was a good idea, but September 11th, was in the foreground of the midterm elections in 02 when Bush's party held the held the his you know held Congress and I, and I wonder what your advice is. I, I think the security questions of the Republican Party as a domestic terror threat that were raised by the police whose political affiliation is unknown should be front and center for the Democrats in these midterm elections. Yeah, absolutely, Nicole. If this is a message that the Democrats should absolutely be driving between now and the election because it gets at the fundamental hypocrisy of the Republican Party that uses language about law and order and about law enforcement to conceal the fact that they, in fact, are the danger to democracy. And they are the ones who won't even back up the very police officers who protect them. I hope they're listening to you. Better the next time. God help us. And if we're so driven by bigotry and hate that we attack our fellow citizens as traitors, if they're born in another country or they don't look like us, and, and God help us.
But I have faith because of folks like you. And Adam, I didn't expect this would be quite so much leader, but it must be an Adam thing today. Uh, but I'm so grateful to all of you. And with that, Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Only uses. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And uh, thank you to my colleagues on the committee. Thank you to our witnesses. Uh, I never expected today to be <clears throat> quite as emotional for me as it has been. Uh, I've talked to a number of you and gotten to know you. I think it's important to tell you right now, though, you guys may, like, individually feel a little broken. You guys all talk about the effects you have to deal with, and, you know, you talk about the impact of that day. But you guys won. You guys held. You know, democracies are not defined by our bad days. We're defined by how we come back from bad days, how we take accountability for that. And for all the overheated rhetoric surrounding this committee, our mission is very simple. It's to find the truth, and it's to ensure accountability. Like most Americans, I'm frustrated that six months after a deadly insurrection breached the United States, I put my life at risk to defend are downplaying or outright denying what happened. I feel like I went to hell and back to protect them and the people in this room. But too many are now telling me that hell doesn't exist or that hell actually wasn't that bad. The indifference shown to my colleagues is disgraceful. My law enforcement career prepared me to cope with some of the aspects of this experience. Being an officer, you know your life is at risk whenever you walk out the door, even if you don't. The one thing we did learn, it's something we'd long suspected but had never seen confirmed, is that an awful lot of members of Congress are emotionally fragile. Some seem unable to the unstable, really. Some to the point they might qualify for federal disability on those grounds. They certainly cry a lot. As members of Congress filed into the House chamber, a servant handed out tissues for the weeping that was certain to ensue. It didn't take long for Republican Adam Kinzinger of Illinois to make good use of the Kleenex. Watch. I never expected a day to be <clears throat> quite as emotional for me as it has been. You know, you talk about the impact of that day. But you guys won. You guys held. You know, democracy are not defined by our bad days. We're defined by how we come back from bad days, how we take accountability for that. It was all too much for Adam Kinzinger. He wept just thinking of it. He let himself go, let it all pour out right there in the hearing. Couldn't help it. Kinzinger hadn't cried this hard since he drank too much rosé while watching the final rose ceremony on The Bachelor, the one where they were mean to Brianna. Adam Kinzinger is a highly sensitive plant, and he doesn't care who knows it. But what surprised us was Adam Schiff of California. You think of Adam Schiff as a kind of tough character. A few years ago, he single-handedly took on an entire Facebook page full of Russian memes and lived to tell the story. Schiff once accused us on this set of working for Vladimir Putin, so naturally we pegged him as a pretty hard guy. But even Putin-fighting heroes have their limits. 
As Schiff recalled the horrible image, the nightmare really, of the QAnon shaman wandering aimlessly around the Capitol in a psilocybin haze, carrying the American flag, he broke down and pretended to cry. Watch it if you can, it's a moving moment. God help us. And if we're so driven by bigotry and hate that we attack our fellow citizens as traitors, if they're born in another country, It is a fact that the U.S. Capitol Police raised concerns, and rather than providing them with the support and resources they needed and they deserved, she prioritized her partisan political optics over their safety. The American people deserve to know the truth that Nancy Pelosi bears responsibility as Speaker of the House for the tragedy that occurred on January 6th. And it was only after Republicans started asking these important questions that she refused to seat them. It's impossible in a moment like this, Chris Van Cleve, to not have politics injected into it. And yet it seems as if there is a desire among the Democrats who are putting this committee together to try to get to the underlying facts and minimize partisan warfare. But Republicans want to continue that line of partisan attack. Is that the way it looks on Capitol Hill? Yeah, I mean, certainly you have some toxic politics around this. The members of the committee all talk about trying to get to the truth. On the GOP side, it's starting to feel a bit like a lunchroom food. I do want to turn to something that I think we all had to be looking at this week, EJ, and that is the hearings, uh, the January 6th Select Committee hearings, where we had a very powerful testimony from four Capitol, U.S. Capitol Police officers who physically battled uh, the rioters that day um, and, and, and spoke very movingly about what it meant to them and why they were there to testify. And yet, again, you have Republicans who don't want to be part of that committee. There's still the anger over Speaker Pelosi about, not, about taking uh, Republicans off the committee. Um, is, that, is that effort going to lead to something productive? What do you see right now? I think that hearing all by itself made the case for this investigation uh, because I think those officers not only moved the country, just it was a moving moment. And, you know, one uh, Michael Fanome, one of the uh, officers um, saying that he felt like he went to hell and back. And he really had a pointed jab at the Republicans saying, you know, they're trying to say it wasn't hell. You know, and it was, and he was attacking the denials of January 6th. And, you know, Officer Dunn, who uh, talk, used, talked about having a word yelled at him that we never say on this show, and the overt racism of some yeah. of, the, of the people in that crowd. I think people learned things from this. And so I think a couple of things came out of it. One is the best hearings in Congress are not when people on the committee give long speeches. It's when they allow witnesses to tell the story and provide information. Um, and I think these four officers you know, were, gave a lesson to Congress going forward. Um, the other is I think Nancy Pelosi made the right call in keeping off the committee people who were going to basically 
try to wreck the conversation. There were two Republicans there, uh, Congresswoman Kitzinger and uh, Congresswoman Cheney. They were great. They were clear. And I think this is going to be productive. You still, though, do have, David, the Republican majority in the House, uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy and everyone around him saying uh, this is a travesty and starting to blame Speaker Pelosi herself for what happened on January. Yeah, which is 90 percent BS. Um, but, you know, a couple of things. The, the hearing showed that this was not just a bunch of tourists visiting the Capitol. This was a Thank violent you. assault. <laughs> and, and the violence of the assault was made clear by those testimonies. And that's powerful. I, I had a conversation with a military expert who said it looks like to him when you have a bunch of people coming into different entrances all at once, there must have been some coordination. And so I'd love to know what was their coordination and where was that coordination. That's important. But then on the Republican side, if I can get a little autobiographical, I came to Washington in 1985, the same year as a guy named Dinesh D'Souza who was a conservative guy from Dartmouth, and I was from you know, Chicago. And we used to go to brunch, and we were part of the same community of like conservative pundits and politicians. I saw a, a segment of Dinesh D'Souza on YouTube today, which was him showing bits of the testimony, really emotional testimony, and Dinesh D'Souza is laughing at them for being wimps and cowards. And so it was repulsive. And to think that, you know, I spent my career as part of like a community, and half of the community, went off into the never Trump world, which I did. And then the other half went completely bonkers, in, in my view. And so Dinesh D'Souza is part of that community, and Tucker and all, Carlson, all the people we grew up with. And so that's in my little world, but that's the Republican world, that you, people went off in radically different directions from where they were in the Reagan years. And that's part of our national life. And I wonder where the elected officials, where they're going to end up. Because eventually you have to decide whether you're going to be with Dinesh D'Souza or you're going to be with reality. Uh, and so to me, this hearing was a little piece of that decision of where is the American right going to evolve. And, it, and, and, it, and if I could just say yeah. quickly, I think one of the depressing things, particularly about Republicans in the House, is that the vast majority are either there on the Dinesh D'Souza side or afraid not to be there. Uh, and that doesn't bode well for the Republican Party in the long run. And I think politically it's not going to be good either because the 2022 elections decided in, by turnout, yes, of the base, but in significant part by moderate people in the suburbs, many of whom swung to Biden. This Republican Party that doesn't want to take on the violence at the Capitol, those suburban voters are not going to warm to that in 2022. Mm -hmm. Back with me, my friends, Aaron Haynes and Eddie Glaude. Eddie, I want to go back to your uh, initial comment about the seriousness. You know, we, we first we talked about the 1619 Project and Nicole Hannah-Jones and sort of having a, a fuller look at American history. Then it became an attack on critical race theory. And now in Texas, um, the Senate has passed a bill that would remove a requirement for public school teachers to teach that the Ku Klux Klan uh, is morally wrong. Um, we're going down some weird roads in this country, and, and uh, part of me doesn't want to take something like that seriously uh, because we have books and we have the Internet, except we've got books and we've got the Internet, and yet we've got vaccine deniers, and we've got uh, people denying women their rights. And So I, I don't know. Wh what do you do with this stuff? Well, you have to take Texas very seriously, Allie, because of the size of the state and its impact on, on school textbook purchasing. It has an impact on content in school books and Macmillan Press and a lot. So this is really, really key. Look, there are folks screaming, you will not replace us. 
There are folks worried about Tucker Carlson and others who are worried about demographic shifts and they're panicking. And they're also worried about kind of being displaced in history, made to be monsters. This is the stuff, the logic of fascism. We need to understand it. And I want to be very, very clear here, Ali. The problem isn't just simply loud racist. Those folk are easily identifiable. The problem rests with those of us who are willing to be silent in the face of all of this, going back to our last segment. So this is just simply another front being opened where folks are trying in some way the lie, the lie about this country, the lie that it must remain a white nation in the vein of old Europe in order to maintain their, their hold on power. That's all it is, Al. Uh, Aaron, you, you write about things often that are either historical or contemporary that maybe everybody doesn't know through particular lenses. Uh, but this, this Senate bill is actually a reversal of a bill that said that uh, they should be teaching about um, civic accomplishments of marginalized populations, including women's suffrage, equal rights, the importance of the civil rights movement, uh, the teaching of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, I would have figured that Aaron Haynes exists because we've at least covered that stuff. Now, Aaron Haynes is the master class in, in interesting things that we need to know about our history that have not been taught in our schools. We are actually seeing, as Eddie said, as you talked about, you know, setting sights on the books that, that you know, students consume, there was a story in Huff, in Huff Post. Texas Senate bill drops teaching requirement that Ku Klux Klan is morally wrong. I would, as a, as a prominent civil rights attorney, just hold forth on your feelings about that particular bill. Listen, I want people outside of Texas to understand how dangerous this is. One out of 10 children in America are educated in Texas. It leads the nation in our education. And right now it's trying to wash, I'm sorry, it's trying to whitewash our history, uh, promote the Ku Klux Klan as an organization that I guess was of neutral morality when it, when it wasn't. It, we should be able to teach in our history what was evil. And I, I come from a classroom setting. I, I began my career as an educator with Teach for America in both New Jersey and Atlanta. And to have this kind of governmental partisan influence on what we teach our children is is, is the height of anti-democracy. For the record, for years on this show, I was saying they hate you. And now everybody's writing books about it, and Ben Shapiro's making millions, but I already said it. Washington Post, Margaret Sullivan, stop fair-minded coverage of January 6th hearing. Where is it fair-minded? When is it ever? Chuck Todd. We should have fought back better in the mainstream media. We shouldn't have accepted the premise that there was liberal bias. We bought in this idea that, oh my God, we're perceived to having liberal bias from an interview. The Verge. This from the guy that doesn't have Republicans on his show. Hey, Chuck Todd, maybe you need to reconsider the whole liberal bias concept. And I'm, I forgot to grab this picture. I love this because it correlates everything we talk about. Minnesota sees no rise in COVID-19 cases tied to protest. ABC, Capitol Hill riot could prove to be a COVID-19 super spreader. CNBC, House GOP leaders suggest without evidence the protests are driving up coronavirus. COVID killing nearly 3,000 in the U.S. every day as CDC warns a verge of COVID 
because of Capitol riots. The Verge. I mean, come the fuck on. Everything is liberal bias. We have this problem because of liberal bias. New York Times reporter acknowledges deleting unclearly worded treat. Kate Benner, I deleted unclearly worded tweets regarding the January 6th committee. So here is the New York Times DOJ. Today's select committee underscores the American current essential national security dilemma. Work to combat legitimate national security threats now entails calling a politician supporter enemies of the state. As Americans, we believe that state power should not be used to work against a political figure or a political party. But what happens if a politician seems to threaten the state? If the politician continues to do so out of office and his entire party supports that threat? Question mark. The dilemma was unresolved by the Russia probe and two impeachments with many Republicans denying the reality of the January 6th attack. I doubt the committee will resolve it either. That leads it up to voters, making even more essential, free, fair access to polls. Think about that. Knowing that this week, Bill McGoon, 509 migrants in one single group is one part of the RGV last night. That's insane. Biggest I've seen so far. New York Times. There is no good reason you should have to be a citizen to vote. Same week. Same week. And then in this, you have a Capitol Police officer saying Sislik was killed. It's a lie. There's no misinformation. There's no flags. The violent domestic attack of January 6th was not the worst assault on the Capitol since the War of 1812. But Nancy Pelosi, the violent domestic attack on Congress on January 6th is the worst assault on Capitol since the War of 1812. No. Adam Schiff pretends to cry. That this he was laughing and then he started crying. And the Oscar goes to a show, nothing more. Coroner Kinziker, the rioters have burned down Minneapolis police precinct, not bothering to first make sure all personnel were out, just committed a bad crime. You've got to be kidding me. If ACAB and literally attacking police aren't rejected the rule of law, then nothing is. Bonomo, Bloom Garden, who seem to have memory hold Anifa, assaulting a federal courthouse with explosives and arsons. Think about what happened in Portland with lasers and fucking people's eyes up. No, we're not going to talk about that. Bloomberg, the January 6th committee is not getting off to a good start. GOP rep perfectly sums up Pelosi's sham January 6th hearing. Carefully, scriptive, performative Art. Here's the deal. Why are they all reading? There wasn't one thing that was from the heart. It was just people reading off a script. And that's the script. It'll always be the script. You're bad of your conservative, you're good of your Democrat. Cut and dry. Cut and dry. That's the script. It's been the script my entire life. My entire life in the media. That's the script.
If you believe in God, you're a conspiracy theorist. I mean, we watched a show the other day, and it's called Stranger Things. And I never noticed it. Sorry, my nose is jacked. I've gone from three different locations this week, and that just kills my allergies. But I remember we called it B.C., 60 B.C., 10 B.C. Oh, no, it's changed now. B.C.E., before common, we no longer say before Christ. Because if you're a Christian, you're bad. If you don't believe in abortion, you're bad. Rand Paul sums all this up great. The FBI arrested exactly zero of the mob who attacked my wife and me. Meanwhile, every day the FBI arrests anybody and everybody who came to D.C. on January 6th. Double standard? You bet. Kelly Paul wrote an article. The people's reply to this. Sum up what we all think. And this is the problem. With covid and this January 6th, and I know the never-Trumpers out there, they just fucking love it. Kinziger is a never-Trumper. He thinks he's a great conservative. Cheney is a never-Trumper. She thinks he's a great conservative. They're never smiling. They're always angry. You don't see the double standard. You're so full of hate to these people you don't like that now vote for Republicans. You just want to get us out. And you don't see how stupid this all looks and that you're ruining every institution. I had so many talks while I was out and about. The problem with COVID is not COVID. The problem is what happens when that Goodwill Hunting Motherfucker movie, which I can't remember which one it was, where people drop dead happens. Nobody trusts you now, so when we get a real pandemic that kills everybody that gets it, we're fucked. And now we watched a summer of tearing shit down, nothing happens to them, Antifa is free to roam, stock hit, you know, stockpile bricks. Nobody trusts the FBI. Nobody. After the Hillary debacle and then the Hunter debacle, that was bad enough. But January 6th, 100%, nobody trusts the FBI. Nobody. The FBI is considering it a good deed to arrest all those people. Leftists have infiltrated our government institution. The only crimes the FBI solves are the ones they commit. Share. Trump will kill America if we don't vote in 2022. This is this is all over Twitter. It's okay. Listen to Sam Cook. A chance is change is going to come. Wonder what we think about one three of ripping freedom from black brown old. Uh, I can't even read it anymore. Fuck off. Blue check failed. Dem House hopeful points out that Donald Trump. This this is this is what's okay. Fact, if every single Republican voter magically disappeared tonight, in 10 years, the U.S. would be the best education in the world, the most affordable quality health care in the world, the most prosperous middle class in the room. Every dumb vote makes one of theirs disappear. Trump and DeSantis are responsible for more U.S. deaths than Hitler and Hirohito. 
New York Times fucking person. This is a reporter. New York Times reporter deletes tweet calling Trump supporters enemy of the state. And that was the one I read you. Max Boot. I'm not left. Georgia Democrats. We're fucked with voter ID required. A turnout catastrophe. After Georgia Republicans passed a restrictive voting law in March, Democrats here began doing the math. The state new voter ID requirement for mail-in ballots could affect the more than 270,000 Georgians lacking identification. If there isn't a way for us to repeat what happened in November 2020, we're fucked, said Ness Ufo, CEO of Stacey Abrams-funded New Georgia Project. I want you to think about that for a second. What does that really say? You just admitted you fucking cheated. If those people are legal voters, they just have to put a social security number or something down on the piece of paper. That's all it says. But you're admitting they are not legal voters because they probably were felons. David French, the conservative case against banning critical race theory. This is excellent. We live with the legacy of bigoted structures. Racists created our blood. Races created. Our obligation to seek justice does not depend on our personal fault. And there's nothing conservative about denying the consequences of centuries of racist harm. My Sunday essay, which I won't read, but Christopher Rufo will. In 2017, you said critical race theory was racial poison that leads to sheer cruelty and malice, describing it as a cult-like movement that uses bullying, intimidation, harassment, and enforces orthodoxies. Now you want to institutionalize it. And that, my friends, is what I keep talking about. It is that exposure therapy. You spend all your time hating Trump, watching CNN, doing all the crap, hanging out with liberals, and you become one. No more evident than the first soundbite on our media jerk-off of the week. This lady is supposedly a Republican. I am a Republican. The media jerk-off of the week. Margaret, I was struck by Pierre's piece there on violence all across the country. We're seeing rising uh, gun violence in every every state in the country right now, especially in the cities, as Pierre pointed out. And it, it's combined with what we talked about at the top of the show there in that poll. Huge pessimism, rise in pessimism among the American people right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really striking, and I really hope we can get some infrastructure done so they have a win on the board for some bipartisan legislation, actually, at the federal level as well. Because what, 90% of Americans agree there's some basic things we can all do with respect to, to, to gun control. And there are some even reformed Republicans out there who are trying to think through what a, what, a, what a futuristic Republican agenda can look like that includes some kind of gun control. It's not taking away anybody's guns, it's not hitting the Second Amendment, but there are things that can be done and, uh, and, and that are reasonable things that aren't going to, to hit Republicans. And so, you know, I look forward to it, none of it's going to happen if this 
polarization in Washington continues to choke, have a chokehold on us. And so you got to have a little bit of a win on infrastructure. And then there's a lot of done. Uh, and, you know, I think there's a lot of hope for this administration. Right now on Capitol Hill, Democrats are getting ready to go public with a new version of a voting rights bill. NBC News confirming Senate Democrats plan to unveil that new plan within the coming days. Among those working on it, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Senator Raphael Warnock, and Senator Joe Manchin, with some of Manchin's proposals expected to be in the bill as civil rights leaders keep the pressure for action on including in more behind-the-scenes talks with Manchin. Also with us, the Reverend Al Sharpton, president of National Action Network and host of MSNBC's Politics Nation. Where do you think this is going? You've had a lot of conversations with a lot of the key people. What are you hearing? Yesterday, Martin Luther King III and Andrea King, and I met with Senator Manchin and Lindsey Graham and the Speaker, a whole host of people. And we met with Senator Schumer after the eight uh, uh, members of of, of the Democratic Party leadership uh, met with them to come out with what they're going to reveal today. I sense from our meeting with uh, Manchin that he is willing to do some things if it is, in fact, uh, something that he could live with. Uh, and, and, well, what and does try that mean in terms of Joe Manchin that he can live with? Did you feel like there's still room there? You're making progress. You're being heard. I think we're being heard. The question is, what uh, will be done? You know the reality of Congress and what Democrats and activists are up against. What's it going to take? What's going to have to happen for some real movement, do you think? I think that it's going to have to have sustained indignation. Did we get here in the first place, Chris, by continued marching? SNCC did some. Dr. King did some, NAACP did some. If everyone continues to agitate, 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 as Frederick Douglass says, that will turn the public sentiment, public sentiment turns. Um, Marie Therese, I'll ask you this. Uh, when it comes to the Supreme Court, I am terrified that the Supreme Court may actually overturn Roe v. Wade. I know this argument isn't going on for a long time. There's a real life handmaiden on the Supreme Court. It feels like we're 10 minutes from living in Gilead. Um, do you think the Supreme Court will take up this case? And it turns out that the FBI's background check into Brett Kavanaugh was pretty much a sham, okay? So the FBI revealed this week that it received over 4,500 tips during Kavanaugh's Senate confirmation, but only conducted 10, 10 people, 10 additional interviews. Um, this is kind of ridiculous, and there really is no recourse. But Amrit, as an attorney, I'm curious uh, your thoughts on this entire thing. Why, why am I not surprised by this? I, you know, I, I recently read an article which basically analogized uh, the White House as the client of the FBI. And, you know, as being a practicing attorney, I know that when you have a client, you do whatever is possible to advocate for your client and to meet your client's expectations and to get them what they want. The White House is not the client of the FBI. The American people are. It is our taxpayers' money that is paying for the FBI. If they need to do their job, they should have done it for us. You're appointing a person to the highest court of the land to advocate or to adjudicate our rights. The American people, we are the client. It was not the White House, and it should not have been handled that way. But I, I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm just utterly disappointed by how the system has wronged us in this way. I have to tell you, uh, Felice, the, 
the the privilege of this guy during his uh, confirmation hearing. We saw white man rage on full display for everybody. And he had the temerity and the privilege to talk about how much he loved beer. Take a listen and we'll talk about it after the soundbite. Did you consume alcohol during your high school years? Yes, we drank beer. Uh, my friends and I, the boys and girls. Yes, we drank beer. I liked beer. Still like beer. I mean, you know, he kind of painted this picture of like me, Toby, Opie, we would all hang out after school. Of us watched that and saw right through that. We all know a Brad Kavanaugh. We all went to school with a Brad Kavanaugh. We all were. Listen, you know, all of us, we're all on TV. Approach. We hear good things. We hear bad things from people. We don't even know who they are. It's part of the gig. Don't you think this went a little too far, though? Um, you know. I actually thought the guy who confronted him was quite uh, polite, was not shouting, was not violent, was not aggressive in any way. He expressed his opinion in the same way that Tucker Carlson expresses his opinion on a nightly basis on a much larger platform. Listen, Don, I've seen videos like this about Chris Cuomo when his kids are in tow. This has happened to me. It happened to me at a fresh market in Coconut Grove in Miami. There was this lady stalking me. I thought she wanted a selfie. No, she wanted to insult me for uh, not for loathing Trump. But I don't think that's that should okay. happen to you, Anne. I don't think that should happen to Chris. I don't think it should happen to me no, or Scott. Um, okay, well, uh, um, Don, I, I also don't think there should be hurricanes or there should be uh, COVID. But crap happens, okay? It's We get well remunerated for giving our opinion, and that comes with good and that comes with bad. So put on your big boy pants or your big girl pants and get on with life. And look, when it comes to Tucker Carlson, it's not just about infrastructure or immigration or you name it. It's about COVID and it's about life and death. And I think people are very raw and emotional and angry about that in particular. So I think that with the platform we all have, Scott, you, all of us, Tucker, I have, comes the benefit of some people liking what we say and some people not liking what we say. And in the same way I have a First Amendment right, they have a First Amendment right. Deal with it. Yeah, there's a difference between stating your opinion and standing and intimidating someone and blocking them. People stop me all the time and give me their opinions, and sometimes I don't like it. You know when someone is being aggressive. You know when they are in your personal space. Of course that comes with the territory. I was in the Whole Foods the other day. This guy talked to me. He says, look, I watch you all the time. I don't agree with you. Let me talk with you about it. And we stood there and had a conversation. That is not what happened in that video. And so you could look, I know it comes with the territory, but you know the difference between someone being aggressive and blocking you from walking or moving or, or, or not letting you get your point across. There is a difference in someone respectfully saying, I don't agree with you, and let me tell you why, do you have a second? And if I say, no, I don't have a second, move on. If I say, sure, and you engage them and you want to, that's a different thing. But I don't think that we should be encouraging this. It shouldn't happen to Chris. It shouldn't happen to Anderson. It, it shouldn't happen to Tucker Carlson as okay, well. Okay, but where was Tucker Carlson when Donald Trump was saying you were the enemy of the people? But it's not Who the, the hell of again, us does not, not, not you, not me, is encouraging this? I think you're mixing but two they different have things. Been, they encouraged Trump. 
saying the media and the press was the enemy of the people yeah. and shouting horrible things about CNN and, and other And outlets. we called them out for that. But you so, don't want to so, become, uh, Anna, you don't want to become them. But you don't want to become them. You don't want to become uh, that. No, I don't. Yeah. But I also don't want to forgive them or forget the stuff they've done for four years. And I also want to acknowledge why people are angry. Listen, they've been spewing out crap about COVID and anti-Fauci stuff and anti-vaccine stuff, and people are dying. That doesn't mean that you have to intimidate people, have people in public. That doesn't mean that you have to get in people's face in public. Okay, then, uh, uh, Don't if, watch if, Tucker Carlson. Don't watch him. Okay. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. But there's more. While they weren't jerking off about Supreme Courts and all this shit, they were getting all up in. You gotta pass the voting rights. In a 6-3 ruling written by Samuel Alito, the most reliably conservative justice, the Supreme Court dealt another violent blow against democracy by upholding two restrictive Arizona voting laws, forbidding the collection of absentee ballots by anyone other than family or caregivers, and allowing the tossing of ballots inadvertently cast in the wrong precinct. Sadly, the conservative decision shows, shows you just how central the big lie has become to Republican orthodoxy. What's far more troubling is what this decision means for future cases before the courts. According to Alito, states can pretty much do whatever they want to suppress the vote, as long as they don't make it obvious. To drop out some of the legal jargon here, Alito's standard is basically as long as you don't say the N-word when you are taking away people's votes, it is fine. That, that is the essential takeaway from his opinion. It was empirically shown that these laws had a disparate impact on black and brown and native voters in Arizona. The plaintiffs, the state of Arizona, admitted that these laws had a disparate impact and admitted that that's why they were there. Let's talk about what's going on in Washington. Civil rights leaders gathering with President Biden while all this is going on in Austin. Uh, we know they want more action on federal voting rights. All of this is happening after the Supreme Court upheld Arizona voting restrictions. And the president of the Urban League, Mark Morial, talked about that after the meeting at the White House. Let me play it. When we look at what is happening in this nation, we see an effort to impose a system of American apartheid. You use the nomination of the Supreme Court, which just recently undercut the Voting Rights Act, to try to thwart the power of this grand and glorious multicultural nation. To anybody who listened to that press conference after the meeting with the president, it was sobering, I thought, Latasha, to say the least. Is Mark Morial right? Is this an effort to impose a system of American apartheid? Oh, absolutely. The war must be the movement must say to yes. those that are on the front line, either you protect us or we put other people in the front line. But this is non-negotiable. We are Amen. not giving up our right to vote.
They're going to find out. They're going to mess around and find out that if they won't fight for their base, their base will replace them with people who will fight. The other difference between now and the 1960s is everybody in Congress were old white guys who, even if they were far right or far left or in the middle, could all sit down and have a beer together because they were basically socially all on the same side and could all live with whatever the results were. This is now a fight to the finish. It's democracy or autocracy. It's America or 1980s South Africa. That's how serious it is, Democrats. Wake up. Wake up. Don't do the clapping. Wake up. Okay. Uh, well, these activists here are fighting for it. Kurt Vardella, thank you very much. The Rev, Reverend Al Sharpton. Now, just to, to focus for a minute on the big picture here, every, every tenure of Chief Justice is known for certain things. Like Earl, when Earl Warren was, was Chief Justice, he was known as, as you know, the civil rights period at the Supreme Court, starting with Brown v. Board of Education. Yeah. When we look back at the tenure of John Roberts, mm -hmm. I think one of the signature accomplishments and you know, we'll see whether many people view it as an accomplishment, but one of the signature results of the Roberts Court was the destruction of the most important civil rights law in American history, the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Because as, uh, as you, we've been saying, um, in 2013, uh, in the Shelby County case, the court really crippled, ended Section 5, which was the federal oversight provision. Mm -hmm. And now, with this decision today, we see the crippling of at least part of Section 2, which is the law that says uh, the, the federal government or private parties can sue to stop um, election policies that have discriminatory results or discriminatory intent. Now, this case is about discriminatory results. And what the case has amount, what the case is going to do, and obviously I haven't read the whole thing yet, mm -hmm. it just came out moments ago, but it's going to make it much harder for plaintiffs to say, look, the, 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 laws, the law that you, are, you passed in Arizona or Iowa or Florida or Georgia or all these cases where new laws are in effect, they're, they're, it's going to be harder to prove that there were discriminatory results. Yeah. Um, that's a big deal under mm. all circumstances, but it's... Now, that wasn't bad. The climate change shit, because they can't get their stupid bill through, the far left wants it all, more money and more climate, the right saying, fuck off, and when every time they get this close to a nonpartisan, nobody wants to vote for it. Oh, man, the climate crazy. Remember, you can't believe there was Jesus Christ walked this earth or that God created the world because that makes you a kook. But believe we're all going to die tomorrow. That's right down the media's alley. In the U.S., the world's second largest emitter, key parts of the president's climate plans, like a clean energy standard and phasing out fossil fuel subsidies, have faced opposition by many Republican lawmakers who say the measures would kill jobs. Kerry disagrees. Jobs of a different kind will be available. How can the U.S. continue to be a world leader on climate change if President Biden won't be able to get the main parts of his agenda passed? Oh, I think the president will get the climate pieces passed eventually. Would he act outside of Congress? I think the president will do everything he possibly can. And over the past two days here in London, carrying officials from 50 other countries met to find ways to make it happen. They discussed how to cut global emissions ahead of a big UN summit this fall. But there are sticking points like phasing out coal. Anthony? 
President Biden says a priority is addressing climate change. Senate Democrats now planning what should be a party line vote on the $3.5 trillion package. It includes a push to get the U.S. on 100% clean energy by 2035. Scientists say this is clearly becoming an existential threat. We're living through it this summer with evidence piling up every day. Deep inside the Arctic Circle, where outside at the moment it is hot enough to sunbathe. This is dramatic, right? This is going back to last week in Germany. They're referring to that as a one in a thousand year flood. Burning hotter, faster, and more explosive than ever before. Haze from the Western wildfire is now sweeping across the U.S., sparking the worst air quality alerts in 20 years. The sun is glowing red in New York. You know what they say red skies at night, sailors delight. Red sun in the sky, we're all going to die. <laughs> we're all going to die. Happy Friday. I'm joined by Bill Nye, the science guy, involved in so many projects, including, check it out, author of The Great Big World of Science. Thanks for being here. Thank you. People are feeling the extreme weather. Uh, is it primarily caused by climate change? Well, of course, yes, we would all say that. Now, it is very difficult to connect any single event, like the heat dome, as it was called in the Pacific Northwest, with uh, a climate model. This would be a computer model full of numbers with vorticity and fluid mechanical uh, equations. It's quite complex. But with supercomputers, people are running the models, and it's becoming clear that these events certainly are consistent with predictions. Yeah, and the things that are happening can be experienced, you know, in person, and so that's what we call in the media, we call that a local news story, right? And then you have... Go ahead, Bill. Yes, the old saying, all politics is local, pretty soon it'll be all climate is local. And everybody, this is a very serious right. problem. We've been talking about this a long time, and I think part of it, which is for me connected to the problems we're having with people getting vaccinated, is people are scared. Mm. People are frightened. And I mm -hmm. understand it's a scary thing. Uh, as I like to say, if you- But I remember seeing reports about flash flooding happening there in New York City. So we're, we're seeing flash flooding, we're seeing, um, we're seeing the wildfires that are burning out in the West, but they're having an impact here by clouding up our skies and smogging up our air. We have to get a handle on this. Otherwise, um, we're all gonna be looking for seats on the Branson, <laughs> the Branson rocket, the Bezos rocket, the Musk rocket, uh, for another place that's habitable for human life. And John, you know, Republicans really were the leaders on climate. It was Richard Nixon who brought in William Ruckelshaus yeah. and Russell Train and all these great leaders from the 70s. They created the EPA. So how it got to be so partisan, uh, particularly in the last four years? Well, it's uh, the, the role of the economics, uh, largely, and then the economic motives uh, on the part of uh, the carbon-based industries. Uh, as, as with so many other things, we're, you, you're talking about it in terms of election uh, lies and, and almost everything else. An economic motive created the conditions for a cultural reaction. And I think that explains, helps explain uh, why there's so much uh, denial. Uh, you see it with the vaccines, right? I mean, you, <clears throat> science addresses a problem. They come up with a solution. 
and a large chunk of the population chooses not to accept that science or that solution. And the, the, I think that the partisan frame, uh, again, if, if anybody's around to write about this and talk about it, uh, which might not, they might not be, but if they are, think of how picayune, think of how petty it will seem that it was about the control of the U.S. House for a two-year period at some point, or a state legislature. And I just think that this is a moral crisis. I think the more, if, if I were in power, I would try to find tangible solutions that you could do every day, and then also frame it as a which kind of ties us into woke. Now, I have some stories for woke, but I'm going to save them for the next show. And once again, I'm sorry. It's a lot of soundbite intensive, but I, and a little few, you know, a little less me talking. But I wanted to hit the major things from our last podcast, which was oh, quite a while ago. <sighs> me and the wife, before I took off to go on my training trip, watched some old movies. And I watched one that I've only watched once in my life. It's just amazing, if you look at movies, what we thought the future would be is never remotely close. But in one way, as Demolition Man shows us, oh my God, it was spot on. was widely utilized in the urban wars of the late 20th century, referred to as a pistol. A Look, piece. I don't need a history lesson. Come on, Hal. Where the goddamn guns? You are fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality statute. Fuck, Fuck you. Your repeated violation of the verbal morality statute has caused me to notify the San Angeles Police Department. Please <laughs> remain where you are for your own Yeah, right. <laughs> Fuckers are fast, too. You are buying one credit for violation of the verbal morality. Illegal. Alcohol, caffeine, contact sports, meat. Are you shitting me? John Spartan, you are fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality statute. What the hell is that? John Spartan, you are fined one credit Bad language, chocolate, gasoline, uneducational toys, and anything spicy. Zach Lamb? <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> I got older. My God. I remember when you were a snot-nosed rookie pilot. They finally grounded me. Shit. You're a damn good pilot. You are fined two credits for a violation of the verbal morality statute. I'll be right back. They seem to be friends, yet he speaks to him in the most profane manner. Well, if you had read my study, you would know that this is how insecure heterosexual males used to bond. I knew that. 
Thanks a lot, you shit violations of the verbal morality statute. So much for the seashells. See you in a few minutes. Termination in wars and urban disturbances of the 19th and 20th centuries. Oh, shit. You are fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality statute. <laughs> yes! Now, this is what I'm talking about. How do you get in here? Hey, hey, you gotta wait that 15 day waiting period? Or can I just like take one now? Oh, motherfucker! You are so what, 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 in these batteries? What size? I mean, where, where the fuck do you find batteries in the future? Was a battery store around, motherfucker? Excuse me, museum patron, can I? Wants to take me to dinner at Taco Bell. Lord knows I wouldn't mind a burrito. There's also one of the guys that built the goddamn cryo prison. You are fined one Thanks. Dr. Cocteau is the most important man in San Angeles. He had a full ten seconds to figure out where to put the hole in your fucking head. John Spartan, this display of barbaric behavior was unacceptable even in Phoenix's presence or your own. I wonder about this shithead. If you think you've got this maniac under control, trust me, you don't. Gun. Noun. Portable firearm. This device was widely utilized in the urban wars of the late 20th century. Referred to as a pistol. Apiece. Look, I don't need a history lesson. Come on, Hal! Where the goddamn guns? You are fined one credit for a violation of the verbal morality statute. What? Fuck you! Your repeated violation of the verbal morality statute has caused me to notify the San Angeles Police Department. Please <laughs> remain where you are for your reprimand. Yeah, right. <laughs> Focus are fast, too. You are fine. One credit for violation of the verbal morality. Protect serve in place. Four minutes, 15 seconds lapsed. Maniac is imminent. Request advice. With a firm tone of voice, demand Maniac lie down with hands behind back. Simon Phoenix, lie down with your hands behind your back. What's this? Six of you, such nice, tidy uniforms. Oh, I'm so scared. What, you guys don't have sarcasm anymore? Maniac has responded with a scornful remark. Approach and repeat ultimatum in an even firmer tone of voice. Add the words, or else. Simon Phoenix! Lie down on the ground or else. Anti-graffiti activation program activated. Aborted. Human presence detected. Safety override code accepted. Lucky number seven. Train to handle this kind of violence?
Century City, 1,200 millimeters. It's going for the vehicle's battery core. It's pure capacitance gel. My God! I mean, could it be more spot on? Is that not what we're living right now? If they could make you, like, fine you for stuff, they'd be doing it. Instead of some weird dude that was doing it for power, it's a whole group of people doing it for power. Influencing people, making them all think the other side's horrible. It was just earth shattering. We both were laughing our ass off because that's the world we're in right now. They lost their edge. The polls started going bad. Now we have a January 6th committee that's a kabuki theater with a bunch of misinformation. We have COVID-19 with a bunch of misinformation. We are just rumming down a bunch of bullshit off studies that's fake. And if you can't see, it's just about control. I don't know what to say to you. There's a study from the CDC that everybody who got breakthrough or got this Delta variant, excuse me, the ones that were, got the Delta variant, were wearing masks. So maybe it's your own personal thing, just like the cold. Or if you get a flu bug. Maybe it's other things. Contact. And when you take a study of gay men who are having a fucking frat week and you say this is what we're going to do based off 200 dudes who are humping each other? Really? We don't do that for conservative causes. I mean, what the fuck, Chuck? To our lighter fare. You're such a dirtbag. <laughs> I blacked out on that one. Too much freedom. You don't have time for amateurs. This is where the rubber hits the road, baby. Get your bleeper ready. Oh, I'm a born show pony, man. I'm, I'm, I'm here for the highlight. Good, Pop. Here to kick Logan's ass. I'm having so much fun. I need to kiss a dude. Well, oh, God, no. A, We're all going to need therapy after this. Oh, Tommy, you broke the window. <laughs> 
Hey, here's the thing. You're known as a liar in the industry, and I'm here to prove it's true. <laughs> Let's start loading mags. Let's load all these up. I don't understand. You don't know how to load a mag? No, I'm just, you're loading them. I'm just. I'm going to tell you what, if you don't start loading mags, <laughs> we're going to get dirty. I am a simple coffee roaster. This is your profession. This should be easy. Dude, shut up. Just shut up. Hey, Evan, don't worry. I got it. Okay, I won't. It's like taking a third grader to the range. What are these cones for? What are we going to do with these? Are you going to make me run? What's the pro timer for? What the fuck are we doing with this? Ready? I'm ready. Okay, so let's go uh, from position three, 10 rounds, 12 seconds. That was more than 10, wasn't it? So now uh, I'll give you six seconds, 10 rounds. Get ready. Yep. Stand by. That's three misses. Three? Because you're supposed to shoot 10. Oh, okay. Three seconds, how many? 10 rounds. 12 rounds, 283. You're not very good at counting. That's probably I don't, I don't count. the biggest problem I, I've I don't count. seen here. I just think it's funny. So I got oh. two out. You got zero out. You win. No, I didn't. Look at that little oh, guy. Oh, look at that. That little guy. The old pecker shot. Don't worry about that little guy. It's fun to shoot with you because you actually know what the heck you're doing, so I'm not going to give you a bunch of guidance, but let's just go one, two, one, three, one, two, one. One, two, what? <laughs> Let me shoot it first. Yeah, shoot show. it first. One, two, one, three, one, two, one. Yep. Okay. Yep. Nine. 489. 480. One, two, one, three, one, two, two one. one. Yep. Shoot ready, stand by. You know what it is? It's, I'm thinking about the sequence. 398. 306. 306. Where are we headed now? We're going to move up a little closer here and we're going to do a triple threat drill. Three to the chest, one to the head, one to the pelvis. Okay. Total of 15 rounds. I, I can I can, I can, do that with complex math. Okay. Shoot ready, stand by. 311, 311, 311. Okay. 44, but they were all in the they were all in the middle. Five eighty-eight. So much better. That's just that's so much better. I, think I might have blacked out. Did you black out? <laughs> I think Did you I black out on freedom. I blacked out right. on that one. <laughs> I guarantee so what's good. gonna happen when we show this video. Some dude that's sitting in his mom's basement with his Ruger American is gonna be like. I could do that if I, I had that, that gun. I could do that. If I had that gun. That thing's a race gun. Man, you did really good on that drill. 
<laughs> you really did. Yeah, shut up, dude. No, I'm serious. <laughs> no, other than following instructions, I mean, your shooting was good. This place is the mecca for rally driving. We just arrived at Dirtfish. Yeah. I don't know Tommy how to Washington, say it. Washington, Tim Montana, Steve oh, yeah. Black Tommy, That's right. Heather Lynn, Leah Bauer. Bauer. And, and Mia Chapman is coming. We're going to be doing a three-wheel, all-wheel, three-day all-wheel drive course. Wouldn't that be great if it was just three-wheelers? Three-wheelers. The whole course is just three-wheelers. I heard you've been practicing. Yeah. Well, you heard yeah, correct, because I don't go to things without prepared. OK. Can't even park. Look how he parked. <laughs> That's worse than me. I'm not done yet. He didn't even <laughs> drift into his parking spot, Mr. Fucking Cheater. Not finished driving yet. Morning. Morning. What's your driving experience? I've done a lot of donuts and parking lots. Heather, your driving experience is nil. Like almost nothing. And you can't drive stick, from what I'm told. No. I feel like it's easier to figure it out when you're when you're trying to drive fast. Like, yeah, sure. I don't think it's no. That's, Alright, well, I think we're gonna start class now. And the new calf redesign bag. Okay, well, we'll just fire into it. In case you haven't had any background, we're over 10 years now. Uh, we have about a 300 acre piece of property and we have about 25 cars, I think we're up to. Another thing about the rally is it's about endurance and surviving at a, an entire event. So we're going to make it to the end of our program without any scrapes. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna try the large first. I've been told I'm big headed. Do you have anything between an XL and a 2X? Like an XL and a half. Like my wing. And that's why they call it dirt fish, just so you know, is because when you look look at overhead, you yeah. should look like a, a dirt fish. Oh, okay. So that that's yeah. really cool. I was actually wondering what. Yeah. What the, uh, all right. Because you're you're wagging the tail. Gotcha. I don't want to wear helmets, condoms, or masks, but today you're in luck. I did short course racing for over 10 years. So. Okay. Kind of familiar. Yeah. Cars. Day one, they're already like immediately throwing us oh, into yeah. fire. We're gonna try to keep it on the on the track and hit no cones. That's the goal. The key to hard living is to do it fast. Uh, folks. We're wrapping up uh, doing our Tokyo drift kind of left turn here. Doing it over and over and over again. It's getting a little more fluid, a little more natural every time. And then we're off to the boneyard, which sounds super ominous, so. What the fuck am I doing? I think I, I don't know what I'm doing. Woo! Now you're talking. Oh, better. Woo! Oh, it's crowd. Yeah. Oh, way better. Oh, shit. Oh, your roof fucking blew out of cone, dude. Fuck you. <laughs> I was a little terrified, but uh, fun yeah. as fuck, man. I'm a professional now. I've been driving a uh, stick shift for about, uh, about half hours. So, <laughs> come to me for tips. I rolled race vintage, but it's all asphalt, so it's, yeah. you turn and it sticks, you don't slide. So yeah. this is, I'm having to unlearn That's everything I know. I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's okay, no. you're just really excited. They're having a standoff, the old Subaru standoff. It's great because it's like you saw the car and I immediately just felt better about myself. Yeah, see, I did that so. for you. You're welcome. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go faster, faster. Come on, bring disaster. Subaru, All right, day two at Dirtfish. We're back. 
doing some work on Fern. So we'll go like out into the area where we made it like half a track into the back. So it'll be like one big loop. One thing Tim does good is look epic, but he's not very functional. So like he might be looking cool, but as soon as he's behind the wheel of the car, he looks stupid. Tony's saying to everyone that he's the fastest driver out there. He's the dumbest driver. Oh! oh. <laughs> Got him! Woo! Hell yeah, brother! <laughs> Best-looking beard in the effing world against these losers. Mia that's struggled why, hard. Mia couldn't catch me. You, yeah, straight. Whatever. <laughs> Mia's lap time slowed down, not because of Mia, but because of Tim. Why? Because he was so slow. Yeah, she caught him. He probably just started telling too many dick jokes while he was driving, and he just forgot what he was doing, which happens on a regular basis. Not driving too slow. Well, I was telling dick jokes the whole time. He's what did I just say? Less dick jokes, more driving. So I know it's so hard to grasp, but it's hard to grasp. Mia's not going to be here tomorrow either. No. Mia's going to be gone. So. Mia! I'm supposed to kick your ass again if you're gone. I already kicked yours, so I'm leaving. Oh! Yes! That thing! Drive your car. Day three. We're doing it. You order the latte? Yeah. We are using all of our skills and we're doing this two and a half mile obstacle course, I believe. But let's get some. I'm the best there's ever been, best there ever will be. Mario Andretti's been blowing up my phone. I'm like, dude, chill out. Girls running at me, guys running at me, everybody, man. And I hurt my back because my wiener's so big. It's not an easy life for me, man. Yeah. What's a redneck version of Tokyo Drift? I think it would be Duke's a Hazard. Duke's Hazard in this bitch. No, so you slide across the hood. <laughs> oh, Tommy, oh. you broke the window. <laughs> Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! Just, I'll, 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 I'll get that. <laughs> People are disgusting. I am a family. I have a family. I'm a Christian. Tommy's ass busted the windshield. What the fuck are you doing? It's, it's powerful. Bet you they don't even have windshields here, cause like those never break. Do they have windshields here? I mean, in the area. <laughs> I think we're trading cars. I'm not getting in that thing. That's your car now. I mean, I'll drive it. <laughs> to have a great company like Black Rifle Coffee to bring us all together, you pick up skills, hang with your best buds, and you get to go fast. There's nothing better than that. I went from not being able to drive a stick shift car to driving a damn rally race. It has been a blast. It was awesome learning the car, completely different than what you're used to driving, even on the streets. There was a lot of rivalry. We had a blast. 
street bike Tommy sucks. Amazing times, great friends, great skills. Best way to spend your time, man. But if you want to come do this, yeah. join the coffee club because we're going to give away a whole package to come do this driving yeah. experience. And if you come here, you're going to need that coffee because every morning you are so drained. Yeah. Click the link below. <laughs> Tune in or fucking, I don't know. Subscribe to my Subscribe, channel. comment, yeah, share. Click Throw link all your hatred in the comment section, like most people do. Thanks for joining us. This is Dirtfish, Black Rebel Coffee, Tim Montana. Do it fast, baby. We out. We out. We out. I quit. I'm out of here. He was cheating the whole time. You know, that just made my whole trip. <laughs> I, I tell you, Tim, the, the one thing that uh, I'm really upset about with Dirtfish is that there's no back seats in these cars. <laughs> I wish you would say nothing at all. Yeah, it'd be nice if you shut the fuck up. <laughs> ah, so good. Hi, Mike Baxter here. One of the most overlooked aspects of a successful hunting trip is proper camouflage. Now I got two guys back here and two different kinds of camouflage. With that background, which guy is going to surprise the deer? See ya, Sid. <laughs> but deer have a sense of smell too. That's why it's important to coat that camouflage with spray deer urine. <laughs> spray it on there. I asked you to shut your eyes. You shut your eyes? I told you to shut your eyes. <laughs> hey, Mandy, why don't we take five? Take him downstairs and wash his eyes out. That stuff will burn the skin off a snake. That is some good, good shit. That's, of course, Black Rifle Coffee and The Last Man Standing. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please share this with family and friends. Or go to foppodcast.com to find videos and audio of all the shows. Leave comments and etc. And I played the last one because that's kind of what I felt like Tuesday from going from three years of couch time to a day I left the house at 4 and I got to a hotel at 10 p.m. Like somebody sprayed stuff in my face. It was a little uncool. But I'm back in it. It's nice to have some money coming in in a couple of weeks. And then when, you know, normal life, having some paychecks is going to be really cool. And I promise that I will continue to do some shows, even if it's just once a week, a catch up like this, we'll do it because this is my hobby. And in a couple years, I won't be doing this job anymore. I'm just doing it to get back in, get some money in the bank, get rid of that one credit, that one little pesky credit card, get it gone, get it done and move on to full-time retirement where I'll do a fucking show a day if I have to. To keep me sane as always make sure you disconnect from all your devices don't give the yeah yeahs and we're gonna go with a show on uh let's shoot for the 5th of august year of our lord 2021 i have interviews next couple days and one of these days i'm going to nashville or i might be if i don't then i'll do a show uh Wednesday, but for right now, I think I'm leaving Wednesday to go work in a store. So thanks for listening, folks, and you take care.